0: I'm glad to be here today, and um, honestly, I'm at a loss of words to see um, all that God has done in a year, and so if you could imagine, um, this time last year, I was laying in bed, uh, last night, I was laying in bed, I stayed up until 12.30 last night, and I think last year I probably stayed up till about 2 a.m., just nervous, because here's how church planning works, here's how it worked for us a year ago, we had no idea if anyone would show up. Here's what we did, we gathered 38 of our friends, and we said, hey, we're going to start a church, and like, Awesome. And so we took that 38 people, we began to plan for six or seven or eight or nine months, and then we launched our church this time last year, and it was kind of one of those things, I was in the parking lot with a guy just just 20 minutes ago, and I, they said, man, did you thought it would be like this? I said, I had no clue it would be like this. You're sitting out in the parking lot, and you're just saying, God, please let people show up. Please let people show up. God, please let people show up. And so people started coming. I remember the first car I walked, pulled in, I'm like, well, at least we got one person there. <laughs> And uh, I, I'm, I'm, my wife is, is Diana, who just led us in worship. And we have, we have four kids, so there's six of us. And we got six plus them and plus our team. And, like, and people started coming and people started coming. And we were so excited to see all that God was going to do that day. And people started coming. And week one went by and people were coming. And week two and week three and week four and week five. And I kept on saying, God, please, please let people show up. Please let people. people kept on coming. And after people started coming, I'm like, they're coming every week. And then I started praying this prayer. God, please don't let me screw this up. Please don't let me screw this up. Please don't let me screw this up. And um, and so we're here today to celebrate all that God is doing um, through the lives of the people. You know, we are, we are the church. It's not, it's not West Beacham. I told our team this morning, is not West Beacham, Diane, it's not the band. It's, it's all of us together. And the dream that God put in our heart was to move into this city called Winter Garden to love the people. And so we begin to love people and hang out with people and spend time with them and, and, and go places, go where they went. And we begin to spend time with people. We're going to give you some numbers in just a moment. And um, But all the numbers that we'll give you today, they all represent lives changed. We're about lives changed. I, you know, church, we say this every week, but church won't change your life. There's people that are Christians today that are sitting at their home and they're listening on, maybe on a podcast or listening to a sermon. You could be at home today, but you, you chose to be here and, and you're here. And, but you can be a Christian and not go to church. Church has never changed anyone's life. The only thing that could change someone's life is Jesus and what he's done. But I I, I just, we're just glad to be here in a... Uh, it's such a surreal moment. I mean, looking back, I remember last year thinking, oh, this is awesome. But now I'm looking at your day, and I'm like, man, more people came today. This is awesome. But I wish I could capture every story. I'm not going to be able to. But um, one of my favorite stories happened about six minutes ago when a buddy of mine walked to the back of the room, and I and, uh, met his son on the football team. We started serving meals at the football team and met, met his mom and met him and his mom. And his mom said, hey, can my son come hang out with you guys and volunteer at your church? He began to volunteer. Mom and dad began to came and. I was sitting in the back right there, and so I started doing church with this man. This man came to me in the back, and um, this, we've gone a whole year. We've done, he's been in my life, my community group. Now he's been in my community group. He's, led in a, he's now leading a community group, him and his wife. And he, he came back to me because this time last year my family was broken. And now we're in church together, and we're sitting together, and we're doing life together. And that's the stories that I like. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> And that's why we did this. We, we didn't do this because we thought this would be awesome. Now, we like I'm a people junkie, and um, I, I got invited to a party last night, and I missed it. And I hate missing parties. I was talking to Duke some moment. He's like, we're going to have you guys. There. I'm like, yeah, We go to any, any party we get invited to, we love to go to parties. So just invite us, and we want to come. And, and um, I, I, I hate missing that. But we like hanging out with people. And so honestly, we just kind of hanging out with people. It just happens to be that we hang out with people on Sunday mornings. And I remember when we first launched our website, it was, uh, we launched this thing, this, this website called HopeWinterGarden.com. And then I met a guy named Steven through one of te- our teammates on Launch team. He said, hey, um, no one's going to be able to find your church on the Internet. And I'm like, why? He's like, because you don't have the word church on your website. <laughs> I'm like, no, I know. I'm, I'm not looking for church people. I'm looking for, like, just regular, everyday people that need something greater than what they have going on. They need Jesus. And he's like, well, we, you have to put in for search engine optimization work, you actually have to put the word church on there. And so I'm like, fine, just put it in there somewhere. Just find a place and just kind of, like, throw it in there secretly, like, hide it, you know, and, but we've come and we just wanted to hang out with people. All was our doing was to hang out with people and connect them to Jesus. And God has done some amazing things. Um, I, I want to give you a couple of numbers. And I, I didn't bring you here today to talk about our story. I'm, my story really is irrelevant. I'm going to live my story and I'm going to do the best I can with my story and my wife and, my, and our four kids. We're going to do our best to live out our story. But we didn't bring you guys here today. We we want to be a generous church. So we didn't bring you here today to talk about our story. We brought you here today and we brought you here because we want to help you with the rest of your story. Today, our, this isn't about Hope Church. Today, really, honestly, it, it's about... It's about you. We happen to, you happen to come today on our birthday, but we really want to pour into you. You came here today. We want to give you a gift, and we want to give you some calories, and we did that, and we want to give you some coffee, and we want to give you some hugs and some high fives. We want to do all those things. But if we brought you here today and that's all we give you guys, you, it would be pointless for you guys to come here. We want to give you something that will get you through the rest of your life. We believe this at our church. We believe that the beginning of your story doesn't have to look like the end of your story. The beginning of your story doesn't have to look like the end of your story, I was, a guy was telling me the other day, he said, You know, when people moved out west, they, ha, they have a saying out west back in, in in the old days that people would come from the east and they would go travel far out west. When you get to the west, they have a saying that says, We don't really care where you've been. Kind of a don't ask, don't tell, kind of what happens here stays here. And so they're like, Hey, we don't really care where you've been. We're just looking towards your future. And for today, we want to help you with your future. And so we begin to gather, and um, people have come from all across the way. and you don't have to clap for all these. I'm just going to rattle these off for you today. But some of, our, some of the exciting things that, that we've been a part of that we wanted to, to do is that we wanted to give out Bibles at our church. Like, what church doesn't want to give out Bibles? And so we began to give out Bibles every single Sunday, and people were getting saved, so we are giving out Bibles, and we were giving out Bibles. And one of our teammates came to us and said, hey, um, we I have an opportunity for us to give out more Bibles. I'm like, cool, How many? Like, we, we have an opportunity for you to give out over 500 Bibles. And I'm like, deal. How much does that cost? And he's like, that costs $1,500. I'm like, okay, we can't do that many Bibles. <laughs> That's too much. Like, we want to get all the Bibles, but not that many. And so God began to work on my heart, began to work on our, t- our team and our church's heart. And, and God says, hey, God told me I was mowing my lawn one day, and God said, hey, buy all the Bibles. Hope church can, if you're going to reach the world, if they don't have the Word of God, then how can they know if they don't hear the Word of God? And how can their lives be changed? How can they be sustained? And so we, we partnered with um, an, an organization. They went down to South America. And they took over 500, bo- 500 Bibles as a team of this team. This team of people. We didn't, we didn't go there. Hope Church, we didn't get a, we didn't get an airplane. We didn't raise funds to go there. We didn't get our passports. And we didn't get on an airplane. We didn't do that. We just, because of your generosity, because one of our, our top, our, our top uh, value at our church is generosity. Because of your generosity, you we said, well, we're going to those Bibles. And they sent 500 Bibles down to this country. We took care of all of them. And so there's people in, the, in that got a thank you letter just last night. It was crazy God timing. And the letter said, thank you the impact you made that day was huge, but the impact that you made down the road, you have no idea how big it's going to be, because we believe at at our church that God's word can change people's lives, and so we were able to send out 500 Bibles, and we've given out just under 60 Bibles in our lobby, and if you came here today and you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one, and they're free, and you can get one when you walk out today, and so we were able to do that, and we launched these things called community groups, and uh, we're in a sec- our second season of community groups, and over half, beyond half, of it, we have 120 people going through community groups, and those are people sitting in living rooms and sharing their story and, and talking about what God is doing in their life and what God is going to do, continue in their life, and we have loved, loved, loved that, and to have over half of your church in a group and in a home is amazing, but that was exciting for us, and we, when we first launched the church, we had three community groups, and this time we have 10 community groups, and we have Diane and I led a handful of the groups, but this time, there's—everyone's leading all these groups. And we're only leading one group, and God has begun to write and unfold stories. Um, one of the fun things that we were able to do is that we were, we were serious about serving this community, and so we were able to buy some bottles of water, which sounds simple to you, but we were—I remember packing—this that. This is my brother's truck, his old truck. I remember we probably fit about 1,000 bottles of water in that pickup truck. But we were able to give over 2,500 bottles of water to people in Winter Garden who don't have clean water that are homeless, and we're going to do even more, more, next year. And we're super, super excited about that. We've given 200 pairs of socks to homeless people in Winter Garden. We've been able to do. Um, we've been able to serve over 500 meals at the West Orange High School with the football team. That's all because of your generosity. And we believe that God's going to do more there. We believe there is more. To do, I remember Easter and thinking, man, Easter is going to be awesome. And Easter was awesome. We doubled in attendance for Easter. That was incredible. And people got saved. And, but we just believe this year God is going to do even more. And our team of people, when we started this church, it was only 30 people when we started this church, 38 people. And that was all that's all we could get to trust us. <laughs> and so we had 38 people, and that 38 people turned into 40 people, and 40 became 45, and 45 became 50, and 55 became 60. And we have 80 people on our, on our dream team going on the journey with us. And here's the deal: we believe that God is gonna even do more than that even next year. We look at around today and we see this auditorium filling out. We believe that God is just gonna do even. More, I remember when we did our first uh, our first baptism. I was so excited to do our first baptism. We had to borrow bapti- our baptism because we rent. We rent at the Western High School. And now we're here. We don't have a, we don't have no baptistry. They're just saying the church. It's, it's a building, and um, so I remember we are that first baptism. A buddy said, "Hey, you can borrow. You can borrow um, our baptism." It was Action Church. Just said, "You can borrow. You can borrow our." B-. I said, "Great." I got the thing. I loaded in the truck. I was so excited. I got in the truck. I turned it on. I actually, that was at that point where we were, I was barring a truck, and I drove across town. I'm to load that thing, and I was like, I don't have any instructions to put this baptism together, and God's like, you'll figure it out, and so whenever God tells me to figure it out, he means find someone smarter than you and ask them because they're smarter than you, and they'll fix it, and so I remember our first baptism. Well, we've baptized 25 people in our church. We've had two baptisms, and we've been able to baptize 25 people, and we just believe that this year there's going to be even more. So we're baptizing again October the 30th. If you, have, if you haven't been baptized, we want to invite you to be baptized or to, jo- to join in with our baptism. Service. That's October 30th. And for a lot of you guys, you've come back to church. You've, you've, this is your comeback. I love comebacks. I love a game that the, guys, the team's down by five or six and they got to come back or they're down by two or three touchdowns. I, I, like, I like comebacks unless it's against my team. If you're a Tennessee volunteer, I don't like you. And so... Um, <clears throat> I have a stronger word, but likes is just what I could say in church. and no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, I like a comeback story. So some of you guys, you're on your comeback tour. Oh, wow, we love comebacks. We love, love, love comebacks. I love the underdog. I love seeing someone go from where they were to where they could be. Where a lot of you guys, some of you guys are on that journey. And so maybe you're like, man, I, haven't been, I was baptized when I was three, but I had been following Lord. I was five or six or seven, but I have not been following Lord for 10, 15, 20 years. I want, I want to challenge you to get baptized. Baptism is just telling the people around you, hey, man, I'm going for it. I'm following Jesus and I'm 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 gonna follow him the best I can and I need some help. Would you help us? And so we've baptized twenty-five people. And the greatest of all of these is that we have seen, this is where you can clap, I'm gonna go ahead and prompt it, set it up, is we've seen over 70 people give their life to Christ. And that's just amazing. Here's the reality. Here's the reality is that, you know, the, the average church in America, it, it, the average church in America runs 50 people. That's, that's an average sized church in America, 50 people. That's it. That's if you go to go to 10 churches and the average is going to be about 50 people. Go to the northeast, numbers are staggering. You can go you walk into a church, 10, 12, eight people. The church, you could just go, you don't have to go far. You can see a small group of people and it could be their church and So to see 70 people give their life to Christ the size of a church, we just believe that God is going to call us and God's calling us to reach a lot more people next year. We just believe that. We believe there's so much more. One of the other things that we did that was super important to us, it's important for us to serve and to, and to love our city, but it's also important for us to go to Detroit and to be a part of our partner organization, our partner church there in Detroit, and, and to put money into there and make sure we help partner them, make sure they could have any. So that's important for us. It was important for us to, to send um, a team, uh, my, my sister and and, um, and and Ron, and with, with World Hope and, and what they're doing in Nairobi, Kenya. It's important for us to send people. It's important for us to go and be a part of, of the world, but we can't go around the world if we don't care about our neighbors as well. We don't care what's happening here, and so we got to care about here. And the Bible says Acts one eight, they went out to all the world. They went to Judea, right around their city. They went to Samaria, a little bit around their, their, a little bit around the next area. They went to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and they went to the they went to the world. And we're going to go to the world. We're going to go to the world because we believe Jesus ought to be taken everywhere. We believe it, it ought to be. We believe it ought to be viral. We believe this Jesus movement's gotten this far, and here's a we want to take it so much further. We want to keep on doing greater things. We, we, we believe in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where the Bible says that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. We just believe that. We believe that there is, there is more. We just believe that. And so we were able to partner with feeding children everywhere and with this team of people. We didn't go to this, but one of our, one of our dream teamers, but we, with that team there, we've packaged 5,000 meals. But we paid for 2,500 meals to be packaged for that to be served in our surrounding area. And what's crazy for us is we're we're I mean we live in America and we live in our garden. So we're we're affluent. The poorest person here, I, I got another picture today um, that you can throw up there, Steven from India. The our, our the poorest person in our that's 61 orphan girls right there in India. That's this morning right now. Just got that this morning. Last week, we took 10%, two weeks ago, we took 10% of our, 20%, we gave 20% of our offering away, but 10% went to, we wrote a check for that and sent that to India with our, with our partner um, there and with Hope Partners there in India. And that's 61 orphan girls, moms and dads saying, we don't want you. And we partner with, with Hope Partners to go over there to feed them, to educate them, to love on those people, to give them a place to stay and a, and a place to home. 61 ladies. And we're partnering because the world needs to hear about Jesus. And so our, we're not, we're, our goal here is not to get a bunch of money so we can have the greatest building. And while it would be nice to have a building, we like that we're here today and the director of this YMCA is, is here today. And I'm um, thankful for the YMCA. We've been able to partner with the YMCA. We have put in a lot of time and a lot of effort, energy and money into this YMCA. We've coached for a year and a half here. We've only been alive, around for a year but we were coaching six months before we launched because we just believed that God was going to allow us to partner with great organizations like this to serve this. And so we've done a lot of Good things. But you know what's you know what's trying about that, or you know what's challenging about that? It's very easy to look at yourself and say, Man, we've done a great thing. Look at look what Hope Church has done. We've done some good stuff. We've, man, we've man, let's pat ourselves on the back. We've done a great job. It's very easy to do that. You know, 85% of churches in America are, are in plateau or decline. 85%, thousands close their doors all the time. 85% are in plateau or decline. That means 15% of churches are growing and doing something. They're reaching people. But you know the reason why those churches begin to plateau? I'm going to tell you because I want you to know, and these are some of the beginning days for us, so everything we talk about on a Sunday morning is so foundational. You want to know why they plateau? Because they begin to look around and say, look what we did. Oh, man, look what we did. We filled up a gymnasium. Look what we did. We saw 70 people say, that's bigger than a church. That's bigger than the most churches around the world. It's very easy for them to say, man, look what we've done. Look what we've done. And churches that look around and say, look what we've done. You know what happens? They begin looking at each other and say, look what we've done and they turn their back on the world, and we and we begin to form little holy huddles, little spiritual clusters where we're just all together and we're circled up. And hey, look how good we are! Look how great we're doing! Our dream team has tripled since we started. God's continued to bless us with musicians, and and man, we have, we lose a musician and God brings one. And we have a team coming over. God gave us our this band that is here. God's done so much in a year. But the first band we had, it started with we had We got we found our band two weeks before we launched. <laughs> That's not good planning. But God doesn't use the kind of plan we God's always on time. It may seem late to you, but it's not, it's, not, it's not late for God. And so we didn't have a band. Two weeks before we started this church, we didn't have a band. And I got my wife saying to me, hey, you told me we're going to start a church. We better have a band. I can't sing up there without a band. I'm like, you can. There's a thing called split tracks. You're going to love them. YouTube has all kinds of stuff. You're going to tear that up. And we could have done it. We totally could have done it. There's churches that have a piano, but and it's still spirit. You can use. I believe you can with the right with YouTube. You can have a more spirit-led thing with with YouTube, a video from YouTube, than, than you could pick a band in the, in the country or pick a band in some churches. If the spirit's not there, it, it doesn't matter anyways. So God has begun to show up, and so what happens is we get around and we say, "Look what we've done." We've taken 80 people through our dream team. and Everyone that signs up, everyone that signs a piece of paper that says, how did you get, how'd you get here? What are some of your first interactions? And everyone says, we love the people here. One of my friends here said, he goes, the reason why I keep coming back? I said, yeah, I want to know why. Tell me why. He goes, because the people that are at the tent are so nice. And I'm like, it's amazing because it is hot as hell outside. Like, not like hell the cuss word, but like hell the place. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hot out there. It's hot out there. I know, I'm out there. I was out there too, but it's just, it's hot. He said, those people are so nice. I'm like, you know they're nice. If they're out there in 90 degree weather and they're still putting on a smile <laughs> and they're talking to you and hope high-fiving people and hugging, hugging people. But it's, they say, you know what people say when they come to our church? They say, man, I like it because the people are nice here. We want to have a nice church. You're like, that sounds, that's not in the Bible. It's in there somewhere. If your church ain't nice, people ain't come back next week. It's just reality. Nobody likes to go to church where the people aren't nice. I remember something my mom told me a while ago. It was the most profound thing I've ever heard. She said, there's two types of old people, Wes. There's nice ones and there's mean ones. (laughs) But I believe this, there's two types of young people as well. There's nice ones and there's mean ones. But I believe in this room here today that there's more. I believe there's more. Our team has grown and our church has grown, not because of, well, what I have done, but because of what we have done. I just believe that there, there's more there's more. Um, I'm an ADD preacher. Um, that's no shock for any of you guys in here today. It's great to rattle off these numbers because I don't have to have any kind of train of thought. I can just kind of say what I want when I want to say it, but we try to do well with honoring here today, and we're going to honor. I'm just like mid-service, mid, mid-talk. I'm gonna, we're going to honor someone. It's because it came to my mind, but uh, without uh, my wife, we wouldn't do a lot of this church. I love her, and she's awesome, but without her her mom, we wouldn't, her mom and her dad, and they're our overseers. Without them, we wouldn't be here. But without her grandparents, her, without her grandparents pouring into her mom, then that wouldn't have worked. And so everything is such, it's such, everything's such a chain reaction. If, 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 if Rob and Amy are bringing their kids to church, and they're, hey, our kids are in church, the reality is that eventually, one day when they have kids, a long time down the road, don't get any ideas back there, but a long time down the road, they'll have They'll have kids, and if they're still going to church, they're going to bring their kids here. So it kind of works. And so, Diana's grandma's here today, which is a huge deal. Her 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 grandma and her her grandpa are are known around the world. We were at Disney at um, this time, uh, January. We were at Disney. We were sitting down having dinner, and this lady, Diana, told them, started talking to them. They were from the country, and we started talking about just talking. You know me, I'll talk to a stranger. So we're just talking. We're sitting this close, anyways. Disney, they put them in close and charge them extra. So we're right there next to each other, and, and these people knew Diana's grandparents, but her grandma is here today, and I'm super thankful for her, but can we just put our hands together and thank her for being here today? I'm glad you're here today. She's a nice lady, she's a nice lady. She, I like her because I, I, I can't wait to be her age, because I say whatever I want now, and I'm 35. But she's older, and she says whatever she wants. But I remember the first, one of the first things she said to me, and she said, it was back when holes in your jeans were cool. It's back now. And, uh, but it was a long, long time ago and probably 15 years ago. And she goes, why you got those holes in those jeans? So she said to me, I said, oh, it's nice to meet you, you know. And, <laughs> and they were, these ones were super cool, too. I remember just, they, had, they had, like, some grease on them. She's like, you work on cars, boy? You know, like, I'm like, no, these, I bought them like this. I bet you paid 1000 bucks for those. And so, anyways, we're glad you're here. And uh, thanks for letting me use that story. <laughs> Hey, there's more in your life. There's, God's going to do more. He is doing more than you think he is doing already, but God is going to do more. First Kings chapter 18. I do use the Bible when I speak typically, and so here it is, 1 Kings chapter 18. The most important thing I'll have to share with you is in this story. Later on, the third year of the drought, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Elijah. Three years prior to what I'm reading to you today, he walks into the city, into the town, and says, hey, guys, I want to let you know something. There is no more rain. It's gone. It's a drought. It's coming. We don't know how long it's going to be, but God wanted me to let you guys know there's no more rain. Not popular, right? That's the equivalent me you walking your day and say, hey, by the way, when you go out there to start your car today, it's not going to start. The best is yet to come. See, like, that's, that's the equivalent. Hey, you know what? You're not you're going to get fired tomorrow. You're not going to have any source of income. It's all over. That's what happens. This so where he goes, hey, by the way, no more water because where there's no water, there's no food. The Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him I'm going to send some rain. There is more coming. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. There's no food. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the, place, of the palace. Obadiah was a devout father of the Lord. Once, when Jezebel had tried to kill all of the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden a 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with the food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, We must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land. So they divided the land between them. And Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Verse 7: So Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah, he recognized him at once, and he bowed low to the ground before him. Is it really you, Elijah? Elijah has been on the run for three years. You wanna know why? Because he's the guy that spoke the drought into an existence. He's not popular, he's not liked, no one wants to hang out with him. He has been hiding for three years. When Daniel is mad at me, I can hide a little bit, but I can't hide for three years. He's been hiding for three stinking long years, oh sir. Obadiah protested, "What harm have I done to you that you are sending me to my death at the hands of Ahab?" He has to go to Ahab and let him know that Elijah's back. And Ahab is going to say, "Why didn't you kill him when you saw him?" And he's like, "I don't know why." He's not going to have an answer because he doesn't have an answer. He says, "You're going to get me killed." Tell your master Elijah is here. So sir Obadiah, what harm have I done to you that you are sending me in my death at the hands of Ahab? For I swear by the Lord your God that the king has searched every nation and kingdom honored from end to end to find you. And each time he was told Elijah is not here. King Ahab forced the king to the nation to 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 swear to the truth of his claim. And now you say, go and tell your master Elijah is here. But as soon as I leave you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. When Ahab comes and cannot find you, he's going to kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all of my life. Has no one told you, my Lord, about the time when Jezebel was trying to kill the Lord's prophets? I messed that verse up. You get the point. I hid a hundred of them in two caves and I supplied them with food and water. And now you say, go and tell your master Elijah's here. Sir, if I do do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. But Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty in whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. I'll do exactly what God is telling me to do. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab, Elijah had come and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so it's you, you troublemaker. Hey punk, where have you been at? I'm about to kill you, are you ready? Awesome conversation, nice to meet you, you know. So he says here in verse 18, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with uh, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah and they were supported, who are supported by Jezebel. He says, hey, go get all your false prophets lowercase g gods. Go get all your gods and bring them. We're gonna have a duel. We're gonna have a fight and we're gonna settle it old school way. So Ahab summoned the prophets of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent because they're going back and forth. Even all throughout scripture, you can't serve two masters, the Bible says. You gotta be on, the, you can't be on the narrow path and the broad path, you can only go on one path. There's a right path, there's a wrong path. There's a narrow path, there's a wide path. There's a, there's, a, there's a correct path and there's an incorrect path. And if you're on the right path, it leads to life. But if you're on the wrong path, it leads to destruction over and over and over again. I, t- I spoke at a chapel this week and I told the kids, if you're in the right place at the right time, the right things are gonna happen. Hey adults today, if you're at the right place at the right time, the right things are gonna happen. But the opposite is true. If you're at the wrong place with the wrong people, the wrong things are gonna happen. One of my close buddies came to me today and he goes, man, I found one of my friends this week. Where is he? Orange County, jail. Kid was out too late. Kid was at the wrong time, wrong place, and, the wrong, and, and bad things happened. That's just reality over and over again. Wrong place, wrong time the wrong things are gonna happen. So he says, hey, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you guys f- not figure this thing out? That there's a right way and there's a wrong way. So Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who's left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar. But without setting fire to it, I, prepare, I, it, I'm sorry, I will prepare to the other bull and I'll lay it on the wood of the altar but not set fire to it. So he says, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take two bulls. You pick which one you want, and you build an altar. And I'm gonna pick, and I'll get second choice, and I'll, I'll build an altar, and we're gonna cut it up, and we're gonna commit, we're gonna, we're gonna put a sacrifice on there. Now, in the Bible days, you know, today, here today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to move into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's already paid the price for us. He was already on the altar, he was already slain, his blood already poured out, and he rose again, and that's how we can have life forever. In the Old Testament, in the first half of the book, there was a, it was a different system. It was called the law. It was follow these rules, and when you don't follow the rules and break the rules, because you're going to break the rules because we all break the rules, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to prepare a sacrifice. And they would take wood, and they would take it, and they would build it up, and they would put the animal on there, and they would light it on fire, and they would sacrifice the animal. It had to be a male, and it had to be perfect. New Testament, there's a male. His name is Jesus, and he's perfect in the New Testament. And so in this Old Testament story here, this is, we're gonna have an old-fashioned duel. We're gonna see whose God is God. And so he said, you get your God and I'll get my God and we'll see what happens. <clears throat> and you begin to pray and ask your God to come down and I'll pray and ask my God to come down. In verse 26, so they prepared, <clears throat> so they prepared one of the bulls and placed on the altar. Then they called out the name of Baal from morning until new time. Oh, Baal, answer us. They were begging him to show up for six hours. Come on, Bail. Come on, don't let us down, Baal. Come on, Baal. Come on, Bail. please don't let us down. Please send down fire. Let's show this little guy, Elijah, that you're real. Let's show this guy that finances can fix everything. Let's show this guy that the right job fix fixing. Let's show this guy that the right relationship is gonna fix everything. Let's show this guy that a bigger home is gonna fix. Let's show this guy that a corner house is gonna, a corner uh, office at the top. Let's show this guy that all the things that we think that we need, all the money in the world and the right relationship and the right things, let's show this guy those things matter. It's not in there, but that's the equivalent today. We get so get caught up so in the American dream. We get so caught up in the American dream and, it, and it doesn't, what happens is if you've chased it, anyone who's chased it long enough, has got to the end of the road and realized, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't fulfill. But at noontime, Elijah began to, became to mock them. How many of you guys like to talk trash? I do. Some of you guys are social media trash talker experts. I've unfollowed you until after the election and I've unfollowed you until after football season. But I love you, but I don't have to follow you. He says, why don't you guys shout louder? Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming. This translation says, so maybe, maybe, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he is on a way on a trip or maybe he's asleep or maybe he needs to be waking up. So they shouted louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. If you pursue the things of this world, you're going to have to shout loud, by the way. It gets louder. But if you follow Jesus, man, it's a still small voice. It's just, you, don't gotta get, you don't have to yell to get God's attention. God, please, I'm right here. God, pick me, pick me, pick me. And God's like, whenever you realize, it, you're like, Oh, God's like, Hey, who are you yelling at? Who are you yelling at? Oh, you're, you're, right, he's right next to you. If you got, if you're chasing, you're yelling at God, you're not the wrong God. God's right next to the Bible says that He's right next to us. He's a follower to the followers. He's there for the orphan. The Bible says that He's near to those who call upon Him. So He's right there. He's like, Hey, what are you yelling for? right here right next to you so it's called out they're yelling louder and Elijah's making fun of them so they shout out louder verse 30 Elijah called to the people come over here people he called his squad together And I think you have to run with the right kind of squad I love my community group because they're good people and I'm growing when I'm with them when you're around people you grow so they shout so he calls a squad together he goes hey guys they all crowded around him and as he prepared the altar of the Lord that he had been torn down, he took 12 stones, one to present each of the tr- of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons of water. He piled the wood up on the altar, cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, the, then he said this, and this is where we're gonna get our tension point for just a moment. But he huddles them up. I like when I get to go talk to the football players because right before I talk or pray for the meal, they say, huddle up. And they begin to put their arms around each other. I love that. It's a good picture of the church, that we need each other, we need to huddle up. You can go fast by yourself. You can go fast by yourself, but you can go far together. So he gets there and he huddles them up and he says, hey guys, here's what I want you to do. Now, don't, don't forget the context, okay? Three years, no rain. Three years, no rain. Like that's kind of, like, we pr- we pray about mid-July, God, please let it stop raining. But for three years, they've had no rain. Three long years, no rain. Elijah says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you guys to go fill up some pots. And I want you to pour some water on top of the altar. Get it all soaking wet. Now, we're you're, you guys are smarter than me. There's no question about that. That's a bad idea. Like, they're going to call down, he's going to call down fire from heaven so this altar will, will so this wall this altar will be lit on fire. Supernatural fire. That's what he's gonna do. It's a terrible idea. But he says, hey, I, want you, I want you all to get some water and I want you to dump it on top of the altar. Three years. No water, no rain. And they're like, hey bro, we don't have any water. No, yeah, you do, go find it. There's more. Here's what I've come to realize as long as I've been alive. It hasn't been very long, but here's what I realized. I believe that with God, there is always more. I just believe that. I believe there's a better for you coming. The best is yet to come is not some catchy slogan. Even if it happens when you get to heaven, then that'll be great. But I believe it's going to happen on this earth. I believe, that there's, I believe the best is going to happen today. I believe it can begin to happen tomorrow. So they went out and they got the water and they dumped it on there. And he says, go do it again. Uh, Elijah, we don't have no water. There's more. He dumps it. Go get some more. They keep on repeatedly dumping water on this altar. They're just loading the water. He's like, go get more. And he's like, wait, hey, we don't have any more. There's more. There's more. And then Elijah began to pray. And after he began to pray, you know what happens. You know, If you've been in church for a while, you know the story. Fire comes down from heaven and lights this thing up on fire. This thing is soaking drenched wet. The Bible says in this translation that the fire actually licked all the water up. And it caught that thing on fire. And dude, you know Elijah was pumped. Drop the mic kind of moment. That that just happened. Deal with it. You know, he just like walks out with a little limp. I mean, he was cu- guarantee. he walked out, chest out. Swag right. I mean, he was crushing it. Like, when you wake up on Sunday morning and the outfit is like spot on, white pants, if you're man enough to wear them, like my man Courtney did today, like spot on outfit. You look in the mirror, and you're like, I got it. I'm gonna crush this day. Like the kind of, like, kind of swag where you're like, hey, I'm going on a job interview and I, this is it. Ivy walked in last week and she had, these, she had this maroon shirt on. I'm a clothes guy and pray for me. But she had this maroon this maroon shirt on. I'm like, oh, that's a nice blouse. Like, I even like blouses. Like I can't wear one, but I like blouses. But that wasn't nice enough. She had these shoes that she had on, like these smooth, 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 smooth little boots that were exact maroon as the shirt. I, and I looked at Jessica. I said, Look at those shoes. That's a sermon, you know? Like, I don't know. I was distracted from when I was going to preach because I was so near by her outfit. I'm like, that, It was her birthday last week. I'm like, That's how you come on your birthday. You make sure that, like, this guy had his, he walked out, chest puffed it up. I just crushed it, nailed it. Because there was more where God, where God said there wasn't for a while, God showed up and there was more. And I just want you to know today that wherever you're at today, there's more for you as well. So here's what I know, I, I wrote down three things and um, that's an awesome story. After he walks around, he, after he walks down, uh, Elijah says to Ahab, <laughs> he's still talking trash. The fire comes down then he says this in verse uh, verse t- 41. So Elijah says to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. The guy he's been talking trash to, he's like, go get a, go get a snack, bro. <laughs> Just wore you out. Go get a snack. Walks away, and he goes, looks back and says, by the way, I hear some, I, I hear some rain coming. <laughs> I hear some rain coming. Three years. And he goes, hey, bro, I hear some rain coming. See you later. I have a friend who always does, whenever he's confident, he has a comment where he goes, it's dorky. I'm like, you're such a dork. He's like, that's my wife. Like, I don't know how you got her, but you got her. But congrats. He's always like, and his name is Killer. You guys met him in January. He's like, hey, by the way, there's more. I want to give you three things that I think could change your life. Here's the reality. In your life, you got to believe that there's more coming your way. you got to believe that. Hey, newsflash, if you believe there's no more coming, you are right. You nailed it. There's nothing coming your way. If you don't believe there's a God in heaven that's big enough to bring more your way, you are right. There's nothing coming. But if you walk out of here today and say, you know what, there is better coming. There is better coming. There is more coming. There is more coming. I got a text last night from a young lady who was in our youth group. She got pregnant before too soon. Her words. I, I wasn't ready to have a kid. She got pregnant, then she got married, and now she's, the baby's probably about a year, 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 about a year old, and she says, I just, and I'm texting her last night. I can't come to the birthday party tomorrow, but I need to be there. I need some Jesus. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm And I'm just, it's fast to say, God, hey, there's more coming. God's got you. Hey, hang in there. He's working. You can't see it, but he's working. There's more there's more coming. I golf with my dad on Monday. The little car girl pulls up and she goes, man, I'm dying for a job. I need a job. I went to school and everyone tells you if you go to school, you're gonna get a job. I'm so discouraged. And my dad like, hey, keep on going. Give us your information. We'll pass it to someone else that we know. We're gonna try to help you out. And there's more coming your way, sweet girl. There's, there's more coming. I said, no, don't give up. My dad looked at me and said, that's our average world is everyone's trying to get ahead. Everyone's trying to get to the next level. I want you to know if you don't believe there's no more, there's no more. But if you can begin to believe there's a god in heaven who's looking out for you who's working things out for you that you can believe there's more coming your way i don't care how bad your situation is i don't care how bad the divorce ended it doesn't disqualify you from the next one the next one's not going to end that way i don't care if you've been bankrupt before join the club thousands of people have been but i your finances don't have to look that way forever there is more coming your way i believe that i just believe that the prophets of baal don't believe that and guess what nothing came their way they're, they're, to this day, I'm sure no one forgets that moment where that fire didn't come down for those people. But with God, there is more. Here's the second thing I wrote down, that you gotta prepare for more. You gotta prepare for more. You gotta begin to prepare for more. Some of you guys, you gotta get rid of some of the old stuff to get ready for the new stuff. You gotta get rid of some of the old stuff to get ready for the new stuff. If you're gonna get a new car or a new house, probably, for us, we bought and sold in the same day. God worked it out for us a year ago. Whenever we bought our house, we, had, we needed the money from the last house to go into the new house. You've got to prepare for more. Some of you guys in here today, you're doing a lot of good things, but you still have that thing in your life that you're holding on to. You're not ever going to get more if it's in your way. If it's in your way. I made a commitment a while back though, that my money was not mine. My house is not mine. We are, our, we've are we been in our house for a little, little less than about a year. But by January, we already had 80 people come to our house it's not our house it's a ministry tool I've lent my car my car to people in this, in this room in here today for a week and two weeks it came two weeks and then it became three weeks because it's not my car everything I have is not mine I've prepared myself I'm prepared I want God to put more in my hand but here's the deal you'll never get more if you live a life with your hands closed if your hands closed if your eyes are closed if your heart's closed then you'll never ever be prepared for more you just you won't be there because you're not prepared for it Most people, God wants to do something But they never ever get prepared for it So they can't give anything Because they're not prepared for it I wish God would give me some more money How can he give you more money If you won't let go of what's already in your hand Oh my man, I want to have another kid I want to have another kid How can you have another kid If you won't submit the first one to God I'm going to dedicate my friend's babies October the 8th If you don't give what you have God can't put more there Where where you're going to give more to him Everything we have belongs to him. You're like, Wes. Well, that's not a very popular message. It's super popular. God, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter three twenty. God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. God wants to do more in your life. Here's the, here's the deal. Some of you guys, you got saved and you can't wait for heaven. But can I tell you something? Heaven is like an afterthought for me. Because on this earth, we get peace and we get patience and we get kindness and we get goodness and we get self-control. There's so much more of God on earth. I don't, I don't wanna wait to get to heaven to get Jesus. I get Jesus on earth today, tomorrow. I get through all my situations because I have a Jesus. I have a perfect father. It's good to have an earthly father, but you, you gotta have a, a heavenly father too because I know I'm always in good hands with my earthly with my heavenly father. I'm always in good hands. If you don't get prepared, there's no more. There's just not more. And then the third thing, and the last thing, and you're gonna be like, you did it wrong. And you gotta begin prepare, you gotta begin to pray for more. You gotta pray, you gotta pray for more. You're like, Wes, now why didn't you put that before prepare? Because here's the deal, you're 30, you're 18, you're 40. You already know what's right from wrong. And if you're living your life in such a way that's not right, how can, why would you even pray for God to do something in your life if you're not living in a, in a posture where you're prepared for more. That makes no sense. My friend's here today, and, um, and he, everyone's my friend. I know you're like, you said it like a thousand times. I, I wanna be friends to everybody. That's what I wanna do. And um, I was at my, my friend's launch in a gym, and I'm stalling because I forgot his name. When you get up here in front of 200 people, you forget stuff, but um, Alex, right, and Lee, Alexis and Lee, Lex and Lee. They're building a CrossFit gym, and it's right here on the corner, I'm gonna, and I'm going to try it out. need the motivation. I mean, I know it already looks like I do CrossFit. I know. My biggest concern is if my legs get too big, if they're going to fit in my skinny jeans. That's my biggest concern about the whole CrossFit thing. That's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about, Gun. And so um, we've, I've been helping them move this stuff into this thing, into, into this gym, Nazement. But you know we we had to we've got to prepare to let people he's got to begin to prepare to let people come in there. But you know what I'm doing? Another you know part I'm playing. I I've, I've had to help them move some stuff in. I feel like I've already done the workout. We're moving these mats in. They're four by eight. They're 120 pounds. I'm 170. You do the math. I'm giving all I got. You know I'm putting my I'm putting everything I got into it. He's like here, use these gloves. I'm like thanks because the lotion on my hands is just slipping. You know I'm like I can't. If you're not a brother, you don't get that. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm trying. It's slipping. He gives me some, gives me some glove, dude. So I got to pull that thing in there. And but you know the part I'm playing, I'm helping out. I want to help out the whole thing. I believe it's going to be a great gym. I'm, I'm prepared for it to be a great gym. But you know the part I'm doing. You know what I do sometimes when I'm going to Tijuana Flats or our mailbox are there. I just drive by the parking lot and I, and I pray because I want God to do something great in there. I walked in there today and he said, you know what? One of the words for, for our search engine optimization for our company is One of the words in there is the word hope because we want to offer people hope at our gym. I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait to be a part of that. Anything that where they offer hope, I'm in. And so, I'm praying. But if you don't get prepared, praying's pointless. That's a tongue twister. I can't say it again. But if you write it down, it'll be good later. <laughs> if you, you know, if you don't prepare, praying's pointless. You gotta get ready. You gotta get ready. Because by the way, I hear the rain coming. The rain's coming. I'm about you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm done. I'm out of time.